Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. You know, it takes a village to raise a child. And with children like mine, it takes a very big village. Um, and so we really just want to say, just sit back and relax. Um, we're just going to chat around some of the, the ideas and some of the um, the strengths and the struggles around motherhood. And I think right from the outset, I really just want to recognise that I am painfully aware that Mother's Day can be a really hard day. It can be a really trying day. It can be a day where it raises emotions um, due to the fact you may not have your mum or that relationship may be broken. I know that um, being a mother is quite emotional as it is and, and you bring into that trauma and loss and grief and it can be a really hard day. Um, and so we're not going to fluff over that and say that that's, that's not part of what it means to have a Mother's Day. But together we're going to say we're in it together today and we're going to honour those who are doing it well and we're going to champion those who can do with some help. Um, and so please feel if you are having a hard day today, you are with family and we love you, genuinely love you and um, we are here for you. We are sisters and brothers in Christ and together we're family. And so um, be kind yourself today. Be kind to yourself today. All right, so I have Ruth Cadwell up here. Um, Ruth has been one of my closest friends since we were pregnant with our first babies. We met when we were fat um, and we've been skinny and fat and skinny and fat many times over together, sometimes with babies, sometimes with food babies. Um, And we've journeyed really lovely together and Ruth has four gorgeous girls and he's married to Dan. And we have my Nicole, and Nicole, um, I've asked Nicole up here because Nicole has been um, more than a sister to me growing up in the church and as a young girl and um, as a young mum, as a young wife, and um, I love her. Her wisdom is always honest. (laughs) It's always grounded, and um, her and her husband Dave are just incredible people in our church. They've got three very tall amazing boys (laughs) Um, and they they serve so beautifully in our church and um, down the end I don't think this lady needs any introduction but this is gorgeous Aunty Mary or Mary and um, I call her Aunty Mary because from a young age when I started going to um, a local church in the area everybody called her Aunty Mary because that's what you do in churches you call each other aunties and everyone's fake auntie and real auntie and they become real aunties and um, she has I think if I counted right four children and 11 grandchildren. Is that right? So clearly, so much wealth of um, knowledge and wisdom. And she's just also very honest and very beautiful. And so um, the Bible says in Titus 2, 3, it says, find an older woman you trust and ask her for guidance and wisdom. And so today we're gleaning in and we're leaning in um, to hear from our beautiful older mature woman, Annie Mary, um, and so we're very excited about that today. Um, growing up, a bit of my story, um, my mum is here today. Happy Mother's Day, mum. I'm so incredibly proud of my mum. Um, oh my goodness, I'm not going to cry. I don't cry. We need tissues. My mum um, is a, a very strong woman. She has overcome phenomenal hurdles in her life, and um, she has walked a journey with her own mum of, of forgiveness and grace and, and sending her to be with Jesus. And um, most of her, my upbringing, my mum was a single mum. My dad was around and he was awesome, but my mum was a single mum. And she did that on a very low budget with four very active 
um, sometimes very naughty, not me, children, um, all the while dealing with the, the trauma and loss of her own upbringing. And um, one of the things that changed our life was when my mum found other Christian women and they came alongside her and they um, spoke life into her and they started to teach her um, not all of the things because she was already being an amazing mum, but they started to teach her how to do that with God by her side and how to do that with grace and with forgiveness and um, with healing on her side. And so she had older women and, and women her own age. Sue Howard was one of them and um, who came alongside and, and, and taught her and gave her strength to be able to be the kind of mum who has raised a daughter who can sit on this platform today and say that I love my family, I love my husband, I love my God. Um, and honestly, as a child, my mum probably could never have imagined that that be the case. So I am very passionate about the village. I'm passionate about women coming alongside other women and providing opportunity to mentor and lead and guide and support um, women in their journey because being a mum and a wife and a daughter in the house is not always easy. This world is brutal. It wants to tear down family. It wants to tear down women. It wants to tear down men. And we need the village. We need this church to come alongside women like my mum who walked in with her four messy children and no money and trauma up the wazoo um, and went, you're valued, you're loved here, you're welcome. Let's get on with doing life together. And so that's my heart and that's what we really want to chat around today with these gorgeous women. Very cool. I also have my mother-in-law here, Lynn Shaw, and she's like amazing. She's raised three incredible men, so I just want to honour her as well today. All right, Annie Mary, let's get into it. Welcome, thank you for sharing. Um, I guess a great place to start is in the Word. Um, so how did you grow your spiritual life as a mum, and when did you find time to pray and read the Bible? in our teen years and so that was the underlying thing of our whole family for its whole life for our whole life they grew up in that atmosphere they grew up in prayer daily nightly any time at all and if they were sick I used to pray like crazy because to take four kids to the doctors just wasn't funny <laughs> and so if you only had one sick and three trying trying to entertain them till you got in that wasn't nice so so there was lots of prayer went into that and God answered so much of our prayers. It was incredible. I felt so inadequate, but he was, ad he was adequate. So um, we, uh, Jeff was um, dyslexic, but he had the biggest um, heart of fun that you could imagine in a guy. And everything had to be fun and everything had to be enjoyable in our life, uh, if we could, uh, with all the serious stuff as well. Um, so we read, we read lots of... Um, Sorry, I read lots of times, but he used to listen to Bible tapes. We used to listen to speaker tapes together. So there's always different ways to get around that. And um, just just to say that, like, there was always grace. There was always... Um, we always prayed together for all our kids, and now we pray for our grandkids every day. And, um, yeah, great blessings when you just commit your, God, your family to God. Awesome. So good. 
So in Luke 10, it talks about, and we've heard this, and I, I, I glean from this all the time because I find myself running around like a crazy woman 90% of my life. But in Luke 10, 38, 42, it says, at, at Jesus, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet <clears throat> listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. And Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. It is so incredibly hard as a mum to, I mean, we are so busy. Like if we start to list what we do, we start to self-combust because you don't think about it, you just get on with it and do it. But so often I find that we, um, we don't take the time to actually just sit at Jesus' feet. And that is where our help and our support and our strength actually comes from. When you're ready to wring the child's neck, you need the grace of Jesus. Yeah? When you, when you, when you kind of go, I don't know how we're going to make our budget meet, you need the provision of Jesus. You know? And so, um, Nicole, how do, you, how do you draw from that? How do you sort of go... You know, how do you sit at Jesus' feet when life is crazy busy with three very active boys? Um, I think I think that's something that often it can get pushed to the back burner. It's something that you kind of just go, 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 and and troubleshoot. And I think sometimes it's a bit like um, life is a bit like you know the the swans. So you look at the top and you're sort of gracefully you know cruising the waters, but underneath your feet are like mad, you know, going sort of 100 miles an hour. And so I think I think sometimes I find for myself often I get to that point where it's it's you can't do any more yourself um, or you can't solve your kid's problem or you can't, um, you know, you can't intervene um, or people aren't doing the things how you see, oh, that would just make their life so much easier. That would make my kid's life so much easier if they just did it this way. And I think that's where sometimes when you get to the end of you, um, that's when you, you go, I can't do anything else and, and God, that's that's that's... I'm handing it over to you. There's nothing more I can do. So I think it's always a challenge to try and um, do that before you get to that point. But for me, I find sometimes because life is busy, um, you know, for all of us, life is runs 100 miles an hour. There's, there's, you know, we need more hours in the day. But I think it's always a good reflection to come back and go, okay, I actually don't need to do this myself. I'm not, you know, God is ultimately responsible for my kids and their well-being and, and I need to just give them to him more than I do. So, yeah, not leaving it to the last minute. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Annie Mary, um, church has obviously been a big part of your, your life and your family's life. Um, in what ways did you um, serve the church, continue to serve the church and your community? And how do you know when to say yes and when to say no? That's a good question. Um, we were into everything, I have to say. Um, we organised camps. We organised... Um, um, I had to write a list because I couldn't remember. <laughs> um, sorry. Anyway, we organised camps and um, all sorts of things like that, like all sorts of dinners, all sorts of um, fun things for people to do, like outings, like we're also involved in being deacons and leaders and um, we fitted all that in as well. Um, it was tricky sometimes but well worth it. But um, I must say 
that without my church family, I don't think I'd be who I am today. Um, no way. And um, Steve Shaw and his family were like the other arm of us in a way because all our kids were connected to all their kids and they were really part of our life all the time with some other families as well. And um, I just... Um, this helps you to get through. It helps you to do things together. And when you've got lots of friends in the church, and you want to, you you want to be in everything because it's so much fun. Yeah. So um, I can see that happening here today, and I can see I am so encouraged by seeing um, some of you working together in the the younger younger ones working <laughs> together, even to bring this together today. So that's just the thrill of my life to see that continuing to happen, to to have meaningful relationships in church where you can grow together as families. It definitely makes life interesting and fun. <laughs> Ruthie, um, I watched sometimes very far from a distance because it was a bit scary. Um, you and Dan survive what was an extremely full season um, with having four kids under three and a half. Um, how, where did you find support in that time and where did you want support from? Okay, so we had a three-year-old, a 14-month-old and then newborn twins. Um, I remember going to the ultrasound with baby Charlotte at six months old and we're like, I think I'm pregnant. Okay, it's okay, this one and that one, they're going to be like twins. And then we found out we're having twins as well. Then I'm like, triplets. And Dan just <laughs> sat there rocking, going, what kind of car are we going to get? What kind of car are we going to get? Um, he was very focused on the car. Um, I think it got him through, actually, because he started looking and he got that Land Cruiser that he always dreamed of. So we used to pass the children through the back window of the Land Cruiser and put their car seat on that way um, because I refused. I was 26 year, years old. Six days later, the twins were born, had four children, and I refused to drive a van. I'm like, no 26-year-old should drive a van. Um, but um, so... I couldn't have imagined how hard it would have been. Um, I was doing uni in my early childhood degree. Um, I have an amazing husband, an amazing family. Um, I thought I'd smash it. Like, I thought I was going to be amazing at it. And, and it was so much harder than what I could have imagined. Um, it really broke us in lots of ways. We thought, if we get through this, um, we'll get through anything. Like, our marriage, everything. Like... It, it was a really hard time in our lives. Have, if you guys have ever heard sleep deprivation is a form of torture, that's true. We were tortured. <laughs> um, so it was a really hard time, but we have amazing, amazing family and two amazing people here right now, and that's my um, mother and father-in-law. Mm. And those they just constantly did little things, like they would pick up... Amelia and take her to preschool and they take Charlotte for half a morning and just those little things just helped so much to survive that time in our lives just to give us that extra bit of support through that time um, and then we had family but they were all going through a similar situation too so that was a bit tricky like when it when you've got lots of nieces and nephews all at a similar age um, we had lots of friends, but they were going through the, a similar stages too. So we're all a bit tired. We're all a bit stretched as well. Um, so what I really needed from the church um, is, I guess, somebody like that was the older generation that could help and just listen and just 
be there to ask how I was going, how I was going with my walk with God, just having the time to even just be there with me. I used to have lots of people come up and, and say to me, oh, you're doing amazing, you're great, you, you don't need any help, and walk away. And I'd be like, I do, <laughs> I need help. Like, can somebody not see that I need help? Like, and some, one time I had a lady come up to me and say, oh, I'm going to come to your house and I'm going to take two of your kids to the park just so you can get some things done. And I was just so blessed by that. And then she kept like seeing me the next Sunday going, oh, I didn't work this week. And I, I just remember going, like, it just gave me hope in that moment, just thinking, oh, and I just, I don't have my own mother, just to have somebody there to give me that wisdom. And I would see it in, like, as I grew up, I saw that the aunties and the uncles that weren't your real aunties and uncles, they came alongside your parents. And I longed for that. So I think sometimes as the generation above the generation that's going through what they're going through, we underestimate how much you're needed still, how much your wisdom, how much what you've yeah, been through is valued. Yeah, so true, so true. It's, there's nothing more um, uh, encouraging and, and um, championing, if you like, when, when we come in and we've, we've got here with our kids, our younger kids, and, you know, yep, they're probably really loud and they're jumping over furniture and, and they're, you know, never wearing shoes and half the time they don't wear underwear. I'm working on that. But to have the older women and the older men come up and actually just tell you how great your kids are or to smile at them go, look, yep, we remember, or, you know, you're doing a great job or keep going, we're so glad you're doing that. Um, those, those moments, those words are what keep you being able to keep going. It makes you go, it's not too hard to bring four kids to church on a Sunday morning. Um, it's worth it to get there. I'm not going to get the stares of, oh, here the short children are again. Um, I love that we have the older, the older beautiful women that take Hannah to teach her how to hand out communion in the mornings. She's not an annoying toddler to them. She's, she's part of the family. Um, it, it's so encouraging. It's, it's, you never know what's going on in people's lives um, that, and what they've overcome to actually walk through the front doors. And so um, always be, if I can encourage you, always be on the lookout to, to encourage and, and to um, try to remember what it was like to have small children. Try to remember what it was like to have teenagers um, and, and see how it is that you can actually, you know, come alongside in that because it just brings such a depth um, to our parenting and to our marriages and to our families. Um, Nicole, what brings you the most joy as a mum? Um, it, it can depend day to day. Um, some days it's just when people put their washing away when they were asked like the tenth time. <laughs> but generally, but look, I think each stage um, has different comes with different joys. Um, so my boys are all into teenagerdom and um, you know heading towards the ending of their schooling and becoming more independent. And so you know this stage has been really nice to seeing them grow um, as individuals and kind of starting to see where they're going to make their mark in the world. Um, and so at the moment that's a that's a real joy just watching them sort of try and and spread their wings and go out into the world and becoming more independent so that's that's uh, you know seeing them blossom is a is a really joyful thing i think just spending time with them um is is such a blessing and um just yeah just spending time just hanging with them um you know that's that's really good things yeah it's true as they get older they're less inclined to want to hang with you unless you've got your credit card out or something but um (laughs) It, it's, it is true, and um, I, I remember, I mean, I've, I've, I've kind of got the full gamut of, of parenting at the moment. I've got, like, the baby toddler kind of stage, and I've got the, the, the teenager, and I've got the preteen, and, and I spend my life kind of going, 
hang on, switch gears, which one are we up to at the moment? And, you know, start. But um, every stage has its own set of rewards and challenges. When they're little, it's hands-on and it's physical and it's, you know, um, it's always go, go, go. You have to meet every need they have. You have to make sure they haven't fallen in the bath or, you know, started cooking toast without you or, or something. But when they're older, you start to worry about, well, where are they, where are they with God and, and who are the friends they're hanging around with and they look really depressed today. Is something going on for them? Is there bullying going on? What's going on at school? Are they coping? Do they know what you know, career choices to do? Are they training too much? Are they at church too much? Are they at church too little? So much stuff goes into your headspace and your thinking at different stages. And so um, I, I think that's the thing that they don't tell you about when you become a mum, that you kind of think you get through the baby stage and you're home free. It just gets kind of harder in different ways. I'm sure it gets, it gets easier when they're like 40, 50. No, no, it doesn't. Fantastic. We're all doomed. <laughs> Ruthie, um, are you ready? <laughs> so your mama passed away quite some years back now. And um, you've often spoke about what your mum taught you and um, what you put your mum through quite often as a teenager um, and, and what you've learnt from your mum. Um, what... What's it been like sort of doing life without your mum? And, and, and how does that look now? What would, you, what would you say to her if mum was here today? You guys might not know this and you're probably going to throw you, but I was not a very nice teenager. <laughs> um, but the last time I got to see my mum, I was 18 years old and I was probably just coming out of a really hard state and the thing when you lose somebody is they stay that age to you, like they never grow old, like they're still there. So often every Mother's Day I go back to the bedside that my mum was when she was passing away. And um, my mother believed that she was going to be healed, so I didn't properly say goodbye to my mum. So I often every Mother's Day go back to that bedside and I just um, I tell her everything like that I would want to tell her back then and every year as all mums know it changes what you would tell her as an 18 year old to what I would tell her as a 36 year old is very different but the one thing I would tell her every year is I would thank her for the foundation that she gave to me um, in God and who God was no matter what I went through no matter what choices I made in life God never changed mum stood by the word of God and it means all through my life now I have that foundation. Like she didn't accommodate the Bible because I was going through a hard situation. She just always stood by the word of God and what it said. And so that is my foundation. And I might not have a mum in this world, but I have God and I have Jesus and who is has a mum's heart. Like God is neither male or female and he Jesus is my mother as well and he fulfills everything that my mum um, could and would have. And so I'm so thankful for a mother who gave me the inheritance of God and Jesus. And now I get to give that to my own children as well. So I would thank her for that. Yeah, beautiful. Thanks, Ruth. Um, there is so much pressure on mums and dads. Um, I'm talking from the women's perspective today. and um, But... I, I'm blessed to be able to have a partner in crime in, in raising my family. And I know that's not everybody's um, life, but we're talking today around women. And there's a lot of pressure on mums to conform to a certain way. And um, for some reason, children just don't always fit in the same box. 
they, they get told that they're to fit in the same box and there's an expectation they're going to fit in the same box, but they just don't. They've got their own, like, stuff, their personality and um, their own passion, their own everything. And so they don't fit in boxes. And yet we as mothers are, are kind of told that they should be fitting in a certain box. And um, Nicole and I have spoken quite a few times around this and, and, and other women in the church um, that there's so many social pressures and expectations put on mums and parents and kids that are really hard to meet up to. Um, I have one of my children has uh, ADD and um, I work in the community sector and there's such a stigma attached to those sort of um, diagnosis that, that makes you feel like a mother, like you've done something wrong, that your child is actually just naughty or that they just need discipline. Um, and there's a real lack of understanding around, well, what is actually the chemical imbalance? What is actually the true diagnosis of some of these behaviours, of some of these disorders, autism and, um, and, and, and the like? And Steve and I wrestled when the, the paediatrician said to us, look, we think the best thing for your son is to put him on medication. We were like, my first thought was, what are people going to think? After we settled for a moment and, and prayed and went, well, let's give this a go. Let's give this a try. Our young boy, who is the most sweetest little kid, never in his life would he want to actually be naughty. He hates being naughty. He hates feeling like he's done the wrong thing and yet gets in trouble all the time because he's jumping over furniture or he forgets his shoes or his underwear <coughs> or forgets that he's actually supposed to be leaving the house, even though you've told him 20 times. He couldn't read going into... Um, year three. And so we made the decision that um, after lots of different testing that we needed to actually medicate him and try. That little boy went from not being able to read within a term to reading chapter books and having confidence. Um, he was able to go to school and learn with his friends and be able to understand what the teacher was saying. And I tell you what, if we'd listened to the social expectations and if we'd listened to the pressures of that child just needs some more discipline and just needs to concentrate our little boy would have probably grown up to being exactly what people thought he would have been. He would have been the kid that was naughty and rebellious because he would never have felt like he actually had a place. And so it can be really hard as parents to actually have to navigate some of those things. I never expected to have a child that has um, ADD, attention deficit disorder. I didn't expect that. My first child is like trophy child. He runs fast and is smart and, you know. And yet this one comes along. And so Nick... Maybe you can just shed some light on what it's like to actually have to walk through um, and push back on social expectations. Um, I think that's one of the, the biggest um, surprises to me as a parent. And I mean, it sounds like common sense, but how different your kids are. I'm Sometimes I'm like, oh, they, they, looks like they come from three different fathers. They're completely different. <laughs> <laughs> you know, personality-wise, look-wise, they all are, are really different. And I think... Um, you kind of, you have your first and you think, yep, this is how we parent, da, da, this is what works for them. And you get the second and you're like, what, what, this, this one doesn't work the same. And I think that's, you know, that's just as they've gotten older, those things have, you know, and each of them have developed their own personalities and interests and challenges. Um, it's, it's a bit like, you know, you're reworking the, the rule book or what you think is, is how you should parent again and again. And I guess the more children you have, the more, you know, <laughs> you're doing that. Um, one of the verses that I always come back to, um, when the kids were quite young, I'd been to a colour conference and they had these really cute um, Future World Changer t-shirts for boys. And on the back it had the verse from Psalms where it says they are fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, and I always used to joke that sometimes it was a little bit more fearfully than wonderfully, <laughs> um, depending on the day. But I think, 
I, I often come back to that, that they are each um, unique creations of God's. They are fearfully and wonderfully made and that God has a plan for them. Um, and sometimes I think it's just about trusting that plan. Sometimes there's nothing more I can do and you think, oh, I just wish I could make life um, easier for them or smooth the path for them um, or make people accept them a bit easier. Um, but there's a point where you can't change any of that and you have to just trust that God has a plan. Um, go back to what you, you know and you know in your gut and like I know God has a plan for each of my kids and I have to trust that. Um, and just keep praying about that, that, that he will make their paths straight, that he will guide them um, where he wants to be. And I think going back to that village thing, I think, you know, nothing makes my heart more happy than to see people invest in my kids. Um, you know, that next generation, generations up, people who invest in your kids, um, who are great role models for them, who sow life into them, such a blessing. And so, you know, just never underestimate the things that you do in the church or out in the community or wherever where you are investing in someone else's kids yeah. because it makes yeah it makes a difference huge difference yeah, yeah. 100% um, I work in the industry where um, children have been removed from their family and so um, there's a lot of trauma and there's a lot of pain attached to that and so days like Mother's Day are either non-events for these kids or they um, are, they're just horrible like they you know <laughs> they, they, it's just pain for them and um, I counted an absolute privilege absolute privilege every single time I go to work to step into that place and actually take on the mantle of being a mum to these kids um, to disciplining them if they need discipline or teaching them how to clean of of you know last night I was at one o'clock in the morning one of the kids come to me and he was being a troublemaker and I was really tired um, and I thought I had to think like a mum what does he need what's going on and I thought he's downstairs he's in this cold little dingy room and so it just I think it was the Holy Spirit it came to me and I chucked his dry his his doona in the dryer for 10 minutes went into his bedroom and chucked it on him and he's like oh so nice because I would do that for my kids I'd be like what is it that they need to actually feel loved and protected and warmed right now I'm freezing so he must be cold um and and so I, it's such a responsibility and it's such a privilege as women in the church whether you have your own children whether you are a grandparent whether you're a young woman or or whether you can't have your own children there is such a need to love on a very broken world there, there's such a need to be able to look beyond ourselves into, you know, Uganda and Rwanda and into Vanuatu and being able to have a mother heart and go, not on my watch are those babies going to live like that. And so, Ruth, as um, someone who works within the community sector now, we have the community literally in our home in Sprouts. We have mothers who come in through those doors, carers, grandmothers. What is it that we can do? What is it that they need? Um, to feel like they are part of our village, to feel like we are, you know, linking arms with them and, and, and supporting them. Um, just going back to, I guess, my family and being raised in a Christian home, I was raised on the Word of God. And it, I guess if you've come through that, it just all makes sense, like the way that you were raised. And But the world's really loud right now with parenting, and it's very diverse. Like, it's there's so much information out there. Um, and very extreme information as well. So um, I just, lots of the way that we parent based on the Word of God, it's grounded, it's, we've got a lot of information there. And I think sometimes we don't, you don't unpack it and, and realise why you parent a certain way as well. Um, so I feel like for families coming through, a lot of the parenting that we're seeing is fear-based parenting too. Like, and 
also trying to have perfect parenting, like the facade of perfect parenting. And like everything's on social media now where, um, you know, like have the look that everything is perfect. Um, so just being on this panel, it was the last thing I wanted to do because Mother's Day for me, I find it a bit unpredictable of how I'm feeling. <laughs> and as a Christian, often we want to present perfect as well, but the world is, is doing that. And I guess... Um, just being real and honest with people about when we are with other families and we are with other mothers that we aren't perfect nothing about a christian mum is perfect it's just that we have the love and the peace and the joy of the holy spirit in us so having a platform to be real like to actually not another platform where we are presenting perfection like but we're actually whether it's parenting courses but we're being real with parents that we're also being available um just being able to be some ears for parents to be heard and to actually a place where they could just unwind and express how they're going and so I can imagine one day like parenting courses run here mother's days that we can serve mothers um like date nights that we could the families could come and actually invest in their marriage and we could look after their kids and um just also as Nicole said like it's we're a body and so some of us are gifted with different ages and so I am so blessed to bring teenage children in here and have people like Rach and Grace and people invest in my teenagers. But you'll always find me with the younger kids, hanging out with the younger kids. So where God's got that gift over your life that we're actually investing in that too. You don't have to be perfect for all ages and all areas, but if you've got that gift to go and hang out with the kids after church and hang with that age and really bless on those parents that might have... um, that age and kind of run some games or I think that really makes a difference and having the time for those children so yeah I just think being available and maybe slowing life down a little bit so that you do have a pair of ears that can hear some parents out as well yeah that's that's gold absolutely and I was thinking too that you know obviously we're talking about parenting and mothering at at the moment but um not to forget our elderly in our community as well um the 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 blessing it is for us to actually, if you have a heart for the elderly, to actually go and sit and hear their stories and learn from them and, um, and, and be a listening ear and, and attach for those guys who, um, as they get older, become very lonely and become very isolated. And so I think as a, a cohort of women, we've got so many avenues that we can actually reach in and touch and love on our community. Um, God has given us a heart of, of, of um, passion and of compassion as women. And there's so many avenues that we can utilise that and outwork that. Annie Mary, finally, looking back and looking now, um, what's perhaps one thing that you're glad you did with your children? That you're glad that you did with your children? We're glad we did with our children. Uh, probably in almost everything we did with our children we were glad of. But the ma- one of the main things that we found important was holidays. Um, take time for holidays. Even when we had a business, we closed it down and went and didn't have much money, but we did it. Our poor children had to suffer because we couldn't afford motels and stuff. So it was four-wheel driving in the middle of Australia, sleeping on the side of the road most of the time with airbeds um, or a caravan if we were lucky. Um, But those times are, are irreplaceable. And we look now and we watch our grandchildren with four-wheel drives and camping and even a mechanic in there somewhere. Um, It's just a a total pleasure. And so I think 
that's a really important thing because you're not going off doing your own thing on holidays. You're doing them as a family. You're experiencing the good and the bad in the in the holidays. And we didn't just take our own kids on holidays, did we, Steve? <laughs> we took, we took our, anyone else who wanted to come along. And um, so other people experienced our crazy holidays as well. So I don't think we were quite the normal family, but we had lots of fun. <laughs> and if you could give... Um us young ones, younger ones, um, some advice, what would you give today? What would you say to us mums? I guess the most important thing is love them anyway, as we were talking about before, no matter what stage they're at, because we found out that we had four children and they were nothing alike. And um, they were so different, but each one of them had special, special gifts. And we see them today. And I'm just so thankful that our children and our grandchildren are in church today. Um, I'm married to John now, and he's got four, so I've got 15 now. <laughs> so we've been increased, and that's just more love and um, more sharing. And most of them live around here, so it's pretty full on sometimes. And today I think we've got 18 for lunch, so that's <laughs> just such an amazing blessing to us. So, yeah, just do what you can, love on them, um, share with them, uh, see where they need help, pray for them. That's the main things. Yeah, beautiful. Thanks, girls. I just want to take a moment now just to um, give you an opportunity to actually respond to, to God and to Jesus. Um, it's one thing to do life together, and we want to do that well. We want to be together and do family and support each other and do life, the highs, the lows, the good, the bad, the ugly um, the celebrations um, but without Jesus like Ruth was saying it's kind of just doing life it's not it's doing life for now it's not doing life eternal and um, I just want to read a scripture a, a story to you from 1 Kings 17 um, it's the story of Elijah and the widow sometime later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land then the word of the Lord came to him go to Go at once to Derapath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went there. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, What would you bring me a little water in a jug, in a jar, so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son so that we may eat and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. So often in life, we literally feel like we're on our last meal. We feel like we have nothing left to give. We feel like the little bit that we've got is, is coming to an end and if someone was to come and say to us, can you just give me a little bit, you'd be like, I have got nothing left to give. I, I'm so I have no time. I have nothing left. And, and I think um, Steve and I were talking this week around you know, salvation and what the world hears and often they hear that there's a God who wants to take something from them. He wants to take from them. And when you're feeling like you have nothing left to give, when, when a God who you are yet to know says, I want you to surrender your life to me, 
that's a bit scary. It's a bit unknown. I, I, I can kind of feel what this, this mother would have felt like. I can't imagine what it would have been like to be preparing my last meal for my child and myself. And someone comes and says, um, can I have that? No, you can't have that. I'm going to eat it and eat every morsel and die. Such a sad story. But you know what? That's how we live our life at the moment. That's how a lot of people live their life. And so when God comes to you and says, um, I want you to surrender your life to me, we see what happens in the story next. We see that he says, but I want you to surrender your last bit to me. I know it's the last bit you've got. I want you to surrender it to me. And when you do, I will see that that jar of oil and, and that flower won't actually end. It will keep going. And that's what God says. He says, you know what, guys, if you trust me, if you surrender your life to me, I will continue to outpour life into you. I will give you what it is that you need. I will um, give you eternity. You will not die. You will live for e- in eternity. And so this morning, um, I just want to give you that opportunity. I, I, don't, I believe that God actually knocks on the door of people's hearts. I, I don't necessarily think that you may have suddenly walked in here this morning and never ever thought about God and all of a sudden um, he's, he's like you're going, yeah, I want to become a Christian. I believe that God's been stirring something in you. And so this morning, if you just, with every eye closed and every head bowed as we bring this service to a close, if you feel like God has been saying to you, there's, there's been a, a whisper or there's been something happening different inside of you that you feel like there's, a, there's something more saying, um, come to me, you can trust me. I'm not going to leave you high and dry. I want you to come into a full relationship with me. I want you to come into an abundant life where there is never-ending supply of what it is that you really need. If that's you this morning, if you want to start a relationship with Jesus, then I can see you. Just pop, no one else can. Just pop your hands up and we'll pray a prayer together that just invites Jesus into your heart. My experience of God, 100%, is that he can be trusted. If he asks you to give something up, then he can be trusted to provide what it is that you need every single time. Thank you, Jesus. All right, with every eye closed, we're just going to repeat after me. Dear Jesus... We thank you that you loved us enough to die on a cross. That we can trust you with our life. And this morning, God, I invite you into my heart. I ask you to be my provider. I ask you to teach me how to live life well. Forgive me of my own selfish ways and help me to know you more and God right now I just ask that you touch every single person um, in this building today whether their journey through um, Mother's Day is one that is full of joy and is overflowing um, or whether it's one that feels like it's dried up and it's hard work Holy Spirit I ask that you go and you go before and you touch um, women's and men's lives today. God, we recognise that every single person in this building um, is a son or a daughter of somebody. 
And so, God, we just ask that where there's um, broken relationships that you may begin to bring restoration. Lord, where there's been pain and trauma, we ask that you bring healing. Lord, where there is um, hope deferred, Lord God, we ask that you bring hope to situations where there's been infertility, Lord God, and, and struggle. Lord, we just ask that your, um, your provision will be on people's lives and on their marriages, Lord God. And today, God, we just ask that you continue to teach us to champion one another, that you teach us to lean in and listen to what people are really saying. Um, I ask that you help us to be the men and women that this community and this world needs. Help us to be a village that raises healthy children, healthy fruit. In Jesus' name, amen.